0: Amen. Will you take your Bibles and turn to James chapter number 5. James chapter number 5. We're going to read, start reading in verse number 7. And my heart has been on these thoughts for months now. And uh, this week... Uh, Down at Brother Tory's meeting, the Lord kind of settled some things in my heart. Reminded me of some things, some commitments, maybe some burdens that I've had that I've not followed through on. Then Thursday, like a ton of bricks, God was on my heart. About all day, and I fought with him, I wrestled with him, tried my best to get permission to go a different route, and he said no. And so today I'll give you my title, and uh, don't get too excited about it, Preparing for the Coming of the Lord. I talked to my daddy this week and he said, what are you preaching? I tried to explain to him. He said, why don't you preach on the Lord's return? Nobody preaches on that anymore. I said, you know, that would be a pretty good idea, daddy. And so I found these verses that talks about the Lord's return. And I said, yes, I finally got a way out. And then God said, wait a minute, there's more in that verse than what you're reading and so the result of the last several months is this message. You may not like it. You may not like me by the time this thing is over. But I feel confident that I'm doing what God wants me to do. You got your Bibles turned to James chapter five, verse number. I'm gonna get all the Amens I can get right here at the front because that probably die out pretty soon. You found your place, say amen. Amen. You scared, say amen. Amen. Me and Kenny in the boat together, brother. Let's row whoever that was back there. Verse number 7, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the, here it is, exciting, coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Verse number 9, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the songs, the spirit that we felt in the songs of Zion. God, I'm glad that I can stand and say, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm glad that when doubt comes my way, I can go back to 346 and I can sing, I know my name is written there. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for that that song, the chorus that we sang that I know who Jesus is, and that I know, my friend, that I've heard that He loves me. God, I'm glad that He is all I need. Father, I thank You, Lord, that Your Word declares that name of Jesus, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Father, I thank You, Lord, that I'm trusting in You and in Your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we ask You that You'd take us into Your care today. Encourage us, strengthen us. But Father, my heart is more on challenge and convict us today. God, would You prepare our hearts for the message. We praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the title of the message this morning is Preparing for the Coming of the Lord. Now, for nearly 2,000 years, the Christian has been taught about Christ's coming for the church. We can read over in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we can see what the Apostle Paul said about it just maybe 30 years after Jesus passed away. Y'all help me now. He passed away. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, but he got up on the third day. So just about 30 or so years, Paul said... Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. He goes on down through verse number 56 and 7. He says, In 55 old death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Said the sting of sin of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We could read there about the resurrection or the rapture, rather. We can turn to uh, the book of James or uh the book of first Thessalonians, chapter number four, and, and we can read these words that we've heard all of our Christian lives, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. I shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We can read verse number 18 for those that are sorrowing today, for those that are desperately looking forward to the coming of the Lord, and we can say, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But as we read our text, He tells us that we ought to be patient because the Lord is coming. He says, Be patient because the coming... of the Lord draweth nigh, and so for two thousand years we've been told how uh, that Jesus Christ is coming. How uh, we read over there in Titus chapter number two, uh, the Apostle Paul talked about that blessed hope, uh, which is His appearing. Amen. How uh, we uh, we have taught the unbeliever that that sinner boy, that sinner girl, that sinner man, that that there is no hope for heaven outside of Jesus Christ. Uh, we've told them not to uh, not to. To get excited about the religion, the religious talk that they can just be good and go to heaven but rather as brother David said they must come by the way of the cross they must go by the son Jesus Christ and so today I want to tell you if you're going to prepare for the coming of the Lord as a person that's never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ he said in John chapter number 3 ye must be born again we talk about the the, uh, the the hope for the Christian but i want you to know that it's a warning for the child of uh, for the uh, for the lost person the coming of the lord the rapture is for the church it is for the believer it is for those that are saved it is for those as christ said those that have been born again and I think we can cheer one another through those things. We can comfort one another with these words. But I wonder how many of us are praying for the coming of the Lord. Now, y'all go ahead and get your amens in right here, because we're finna to take a turn in a different direction how many of us truly are praying for the coming of the Lord? I've said now for a few years that if Christians would sincerely pray that Christ would return, then our living would be different. Our lives would be different. If we prayed that God come today, then we would live our lives as though He could come today. But I believe it's sad to, do, to report to the church today how that there are many that say they're waiting for the Lord to come, but they're living like He will never come. They're living, y'all help me, they're living like they'll never be caught. They're living like there will never be a reckoning day. They're living like they will never see the judge. They're living like they they have a license to sin, a license to hurt, a license to do wrong. But the Scripture said how that there is a judge and He is waiting at the door there in verse number 9. I 'm afraid that we say the lord's coming only with our lips, but our actions say another thing entirely. I'm burdened to share today how people must prepare for the coming of the Lord. I was talking to a preacher yesterday, and I truly was asking how to deal with with this message, and he began to, to talk and try to help me and and, and I, I kind of responded and I said, the fact of the matter, the fact that when it, when the message is all boiled down, it boils down to this one word, holiness. Church, if we would live holy as Christ demands that we live, y'all hearing me? As Christ demands that we live, then there should be no fear in our hearts to see the Lord if He came today. Number one, I think I only have three points. We'll go until the Lord says stop. Number one, how should we prepare for the coming of the Lord? We should be patiently preparing. Patiently preparing. Look with me again in verse number 7. Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and receiveth the early and latter rain. Now, I need to preface the this particular point by saying this, This is a statement that I don't know that I've heard it. I don't know that I've read it. It's just kind of inbred in my heart this week that procrastination should never be mistaken as patience. Some of y'all need to write this down so I'm going to say it again. Procrastination should never be mistaken for patience. There's a lot of folks today that they're saying, I'm waiting on the Lord. No, you're lazy. I'm waiting for the Lord to tell me which direction to go. No, you're scared. I'm waiting for the quit, offering up excuses to God and do what God has told you to do. Can somebody help me this morning? Procrastination should never be mistaken for patience. I have on this page I'm not I'm not read them. I'm not ready to share them with you yet. But I want you to know that there is a page full of burdens that I have been, I have been burdened for over two years now and I have been quote unquote waiting for God to tell me what to do about them. This week God says it's time to stop waiting and time to start doing. There's been, there's been burdens on my heart that God says I want you to act. And I say, well Lord, I need to test the spirits. I need to try, I need to pray about it. And, I, and, and Eustace, I keep going for months and months and months saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And God's on his throne saying, I've already told you what to do. You just gotta go and do it. And so this morning, I, if we're gonna prepare for the coming of the Lord, we're gonna have to patiently prepare. Now let's get into it this morning. I want us to know that we can be purposeful in our patience. The farmer here in chapter number five, verse number seven. The the farmer—you can ask any farmer—they've got to prepare the soil. I thought about this as I began to study, and I thought, well, no, not all the time. Sometimes they just throw uh, grass seed out, and and uh, they they uh, whatever comes up comes up. And just down the road from the house, there's a sod farm. Uh, But I've noticed as they as they come through and they cut that sod, uh, there is still a preparation. for some things, and and they are ve- they are very purposeful in their farming, whether, no matter what the crop is, they will, the farmer will prepare the soil. He will toil over the land. Uh, He will go and he will get in there and he will begin to turn that land. He will till that. He will break it. Y'all help me now. He will break up that fallow ground. He will begin to bust it up and maybe it comes up in big clumps. Uh, Then he'll change the, change the tool and he'll begin to, to till it until it gets a a little bit finer, and then it will begin to work on it and work on it until the ground is workable. Uh, that farmer, he will begin uh, to check for the proper irrigation. Now around here, everywhere you look, you find uh, the big irrigation uh, 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 machinery and all of those things, the generators, the, the wells that are dug. In. and But down in Hastings, Florida, and, uh, just up the road from where I live, uh, we didn't do a whole lot of farming there in town, uh, but just outside there were many different farms. There were potato and cabbage, this type, type and the other. And I can remember going with my daddy through Hastings and I saw these huge ditches and these huge trenches that kind of surrounded uh, all of the different crops. And and I couldn't for the life of me figure out why in the world they would dig these holes. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, man, if you have to go through there with a tractor, you, you're going to bust your tractor all open. Uh, but daddy said, no, uh, that's not for, it's not for looks not for uh, for a decoy of anything, but it is for irrigation. And there's probably a proper term for it. Uh, But they would turn on those wells. They would turn on those that water and it would begin to fill all of those trenches. And that water would leach into the soil to irrigate the crop. And that farmer, he says, be patient. Then he gives us a picture of a husbandman waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He says he hath long patience for it. He waits for the early and he waits for the latter rain. Uh, that farmer begins uh, with a purposeful heart. He begins to till the land. He begins to trek for proper irrigation. Then he prepares for the seed. And you better know that there is a cost uh, for the seed. If I can just kind of get out of the box, uh, there is a cost for the seed. Uh, there have been men and women, uh, boys and girls even die uh, for the seed that we ought to be sharing. Uh, there was a Savior. There was a man long ago. How uh, they walked down the, uh, the Via Dolorosa, uh, the way to the cross, and he was spit upon. Uh, he was uh, he was uh, beaten. Uh, he was cursed. Uh, he suffered shame. He suffered agony. He paid the ultimate price uh, for you and I, uh, so that we can bear precious seed today. We look at this seed. The farmer prepares for the seed. There's there's a cost. Depending on the quantity that the farmer wants to reap, that determines the cost that he will pay. Just as I've already said, Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. It is a whosoever will gospel come on. I'm glad today that he didn't just go halfway up the cross I'm glad that He didn't say, well, you can nail my right hand to the cross, but nothing else. But I'm glad that He freely laid down His life for all men. I'm glad that He told us in His Word time and again, that whosoever will shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad today that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so now, as we look back at our text, and we see this farmer depending on the on the the the, uh, the amount of harvest depends on the seed. But I'm glad this morning that Jesus paid that ultimate price, because he did, he expects a large harvest. The farmer counts the cost in comparison with his purpose. If he wants a small crop, he'll buy just small seeds. A couple of years ago we had a little little I don't know, four by six, four by eight little raised garden and I thought, man alive I've done down here in farming country, I'm gonna make it big. There's gonna be this coming out of my ears and everything else and so I just went down to Walmart. And I bought me one of those little packets of seeds of okra and a little packet of seed of this, a little packet of seed of this. And I'm like, huh, I'm going to save money. I don't even need to use all this. I'll put a seed there. I'll put a seed here. And I'll put a seed there. But I had not considered the cost of the seed that I was putting in and the cost of the harvest. Because you see, though I may have only planted five or six or eight or twelve of the seeds, uh, there was still uh, there were things that would attack that seed. Uh, there were things that would overpower that seed. Some of those seeds never sprung up. Uh, some of those seeds got up and then withered away. Some of those seeds they never did anything. And I want you to know today, as a farmer purposely waits, he is counting the crop. is counting the. Crop cost of his crop if he wants a large crop he's going to buy large now you take maybe brother john or maybe some of you that that have large gardens you're not going to go down to walmart and get your buggy full of uh, white half runners no, you're going to go somewhere that where, where you can get 50 pounds of it or 20 pounds or 10 pounds, whatever it may be. You're going to go to maybe, I don't know, tractor supply. You're going to go down to the farmer's feed and seed. You're going to go somewhere where you know you can get good quality seed and you can plant it because you want a good quality crop. The farmer is purposely waiting. There's There's a source for the seed, just quickly, as I mentioned. Well, Jim, I got mine from Walmart. Didn't really do much. That may not be Walmart's fault. But Miss Irene, I didn't have good quality soil. I didn't have good quality seed. And so all that was left is failure. We're talking about preparing for the Lord. Number two, I want you to... Next, we're still in number one. This is subpoint B. I'm going to try to be like brother David and give you. Number one is patiently preparing. Subpoint B or two is prayerful. As the farmer's seed is planted, at that point, he's got to pray over that harvest. At that point there, he has done his work. Nature then has to take the course. But he'll sit back and he'll pray about the temperature. It can't be too cold. It can't be too hot, it'll burn it up. He's going to pray about the rain. He can't get too little rain, but he can't get too much rain. It'll drown it all out, wash it away. He prays about the natural hindrances. He prays about those mites and those bugs. He, he prays about the soil and its quality. He prays about the birds that will come in and tear everything up. He prays about the animals that will come in and eat his carrots or eat his corn or eat this or eat that. It's a, it's a prayerful. Then let's look next. There is a pressing. He says, behold the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for us until he received the early and latter rain. There is, there is a prayerful preparing, but there is also a pressing on in your preparing. The farmer doesn't labor over his field and plant the seed and then sit back and do nothing. He doesn't. That farmer, if he, if he wants the harvest, he will go out and he will check the moisture. He will go out and he will check the growth and he'll look for weeds. He'll check for disease. He'll look for bugs. And he'll act accordingly. He may spray them. He may have to water them himself. Whatever the need is, he begins to work. Why? Because he is expecting. He's already prayed, God, I need this. Lord, here's the harvest. But Lord, now I'm waiting on you. But I'm not just going to sit back and do anything. I'll probably use it again again. But we think over in uh, Philippians chapter number 2, I believe it is, may already have it. He says, if you have always obeyed, not on not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And don't run ahead of me on this, but there are some things that we do need to work in in our lives. James says that, that if you're saved, you will work. You are not saved by your works, but you will work if you are saved. So there's a pressing. There's, there's a prayerful preparing. There's a purposeful preparing. We must prepare patiently as well. There's purpose, prayer, press, pressing on in, in all of our lives as a child of God. We must do these things. We must consider these things. Or we can be, as I warned, we can sit back and we can procrastinate and we can blame, uh, blame our inaction because of our confusion. We can blame what we are not doing on everyone else. Or we can just work for God. We can, When God says go, we go. You look back to Genesis chapter number 12. God came to Abraham and He said, get up and go. He did what? He got up and went. But what do we do? We sit back and we wait for years. Well, I'm talking to myself right here. We wait for years. I said we wait for, I can pinpoint it, February 2020. God dealt with my heart about doing some things. And here we are in May of 2023. Y'all do the math. Some of you have, have dedicated your life. You've surrendered to a call. You've announced, I've got a call on my life. And you're doing nothing. It's time to fish or cut bait. It's time to go or shut up about it. Number two. Patiently. Excuse me, prudently preparing. Prudently preparing. Listen to this. Verse number eight, verse number nine. I'll, I'll read verse number eight first. He says, be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The word prudently, it is acting in a way that shows care and thought for the future. If you're preparing for the coming of the Lord, then you ought to, as a child of God, have prudence. you ought to care for the future. Look it with me. How do we prudently prepare by proving? He says, "I want you to establish your hearts again, Philippians chapter number two, verse number twelve. Wherefore, my beloved, beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, he said, you're also obeying in my absence. He says, work out your own salvation, listen to this, with fear and Trembling. This word "work out" or phrase "work out" it means to work fully. It means to finish. Don't go halfway, but go all the way. Don't start and quit. I, hey, I'm, I, I have no idea. Y'all do not. Y'all do not beat me up over this. But I've watched this little church down here uh, before Antioch. It's a Spanish church, and I've watched it. Man, that thing came up. I mean, came up out of the dirt. I'm talking just like that. And then I've watched it now for months, and it's just sat there. No, no, no other work has been done. Now I feel like I probably understand that they've, they've had the money and they started and now they're just sitting back and they're, they're trying to raise the funds and they're trying to work. But do you realize that, that that Jesus Christ also warned about that? He said you need to count the cost before you start to work because you will become the laughing stock of those around you if you start and do not finish. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. We need to prepare prudently by proving. He says, work out your own salvation. This is not a different way of salvation. Somebody help me right there. This is not what well, you can get saved this way and you can get saved this way. There is but one way to heaven. There is, I don't even like saying one way to heaven. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through the Son, Jesus Christ. This morning, to work out your own salvation with fear. And with trembling. Uh, That is in the very presence of God. He says, We need to work fully. We need to what was the other word? I think I left one word out. Uh, He says to work fully or to finish. I'm gonna look over here. The the word is to perform. Because you I know we're not supposed to act, Miss Tanya. We're not supposed to act anyway. We're supposed to be. But this word work out, it means to perform. And it talks about that actor on the stage. When they get on the stage and they're in the costume and they're in character, they are to finish their performance until the curtain closes. You and I need to finish Our lives for Christ until the curtain closes. Until the sun returns. Somebody say amen. But instead, we live in a weak society. We live in a sissy society where it's too hard. Just stop and go to the house. Or call somebody else. Let somebody else do it. I don't feel like it today. Hey, the Bible says, quit ye like men. Stand up. Act like a man. Do what's right. Do what's right. Do what's right. Proving, he says, you want, you need to step. Romans chapter twelve, verse number one, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Second Corinthians thirteen five. He says, examine yourselves. Watch out. Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. I had a mean streak pop up a little while ago and had to pray about it. He said, that's all right. There's a lot of folks there are trying to turn over new leaves. They're trying to rededicate at every turn. It might be you just need to get saved. Oh, I didn't get a whole lot of help on that one. There's a lot of folks today, they are trying their best to turn over new leaves. Well, I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that anymore. It might be that you're lost without God. And the reason that you can't change is because there's been no change in you. Examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Honey, here's what you do. You go to the mirror every morning, you look, you make sure all your pimples are popped, you make sure all your beard places or hairs are in the right place, make sure there ain't no long hairs in the wrong place. You ladies get in the mirror and you tweeze and you do and you you primp and you do all this kind of stuff just to walk to the mailbox. What would it do if we got into the prayer closet and we said, God, I just need you to be a mirror for a minute. I need you if you will. Show me what don't belong. Lord, let me get it out. Oh, I see something missing. God, would you fill it with the Word of God? How oh, would you fill it with the with with something from you? God, I'm tired of feeling it on my own. Hey, I've looked I've mm, I've watched some of Lord Jesus. I've watched some ladies put on some makeup. I ain't done a whole lot, Brother John. I ain't done a whole lot of drywalling, but some holes you gotta fill up pretty good. And then sand, and my wife, oh you, I thought she was hiding her face, she's rubbing her neck. Bless her. There's some holes you gotta feel, you gotta wait, you gotta sand, you gotta feel again, and feel again. But guess what's behind that? There's still a hole. There's still a hole. Back there in the, in the men's restroom, the, the second stall over there near the sink. One of, one of the missionaries boys, when we had a missions conference, threw the wall, through the door back, knocked a hole in the wall. I said, brother Tay you, you got anything to fix that? I figured he'd, he'd cut it out, you know, and paint it, everything. No, he said, yeah, I got something. He went and got some kind of a, a sticker door stop and he put it over there. It looks like it was meant to be, brother Dave, but there's a hole up underneath. There's a lot of folks today, they are trying their best just to cover stuff up. They're trying to spackle on this and spackle here. They're trying to sand here to, to hope it looks all right. But within the heart of our people, there may be a deeper. Y'all help me. Maybe a deeper problem. You might not be of the faith. Let's go on. Y'all still with me? I see, I can see a couple of heads shaking, and they're so far they're shaking in the right direction. He says, Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you? Uh-oh, except ye be reprobates. I gotta say it again. There's some folks that are trying to get right, but you can't get right outside of Christ. Amen. The reason you're having such an inner struggle is because He is not in you. Subpoint point B, we ought to be prudently preparing. We said first, by proving, now let's talk about the passions. My wife used to sing the song, guard your heart. He says, "He's listen to what he says in verse number 8, establish your hearts. I got to tell you this, you better be careful following your heart. Your guidance counselors, your neighbors, your friends, your, your mama, everybody would just follow your heart. Well, Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Now, I don't preach like this a whole lot. It scares a living dog stuff out of me. Using farm language now, brother. I mean, hanging around, brother David Phillips. But I want you to know, when God tells me to preach it, I ain't got no, I ain't got no choice. So you're just going to have to buck up and listen. He said, He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Book of Proverbs, chapter number four. He says there in verse number twenty three down through verse number twenty seven. He says. Uh, uh, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips. From thee, let not let thine eyes look right on, and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Listen, we have every one of us have passions, things that we are passionate about. But we're talking about the coming of the Lord. And if we're going to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord, then we need to get our passions right. He says, establish your hearts. There's a calling. Mentioned briefly about calling just a little while ago. I remember running from, I ran from salvation more than I ran to preach because I really wanted to preach. I really wanted to preach. Some of y'all in here this morning are saying, I wish you'd have ran a little bit further. I thought I was saved and so I kind of fought that. I kind of, I, I wrestled with it. Finally, God got a hold of me and, and I got saved. Then there was a year that went by. My friend, my best friend in the world, best friend in the world, he said God was calling me to preach. And man, I could just think, woo, wee, he is going to be a preacher. Man, if he could you imagine if he got if he got called to preach and one day God called me to preach, we could be like those old preachers that are just, just just palling around everywhere, preaching in meetings everywhere. And he started running, and I started praying for him. God, please, please bring him back. And I kid you not, kid you not, we went to camp meeting in October. By the middle of November, he was gone. Only time he's been back in church is for funerals or weddings. Quit on God. And I don't know, Miss Lee, I don't know his heart. I, I don't know. I feel like he was genuine. But even before God began to work on him, I began to ask, God, will you let me preach? Lord, I know I'm not worth it. I, I know I'm not worthy. God, but will you let me preach? And man, we'd get out there and we'd preach. And, and we'd get in the woods. We'd preach to anybody or anything that would listen. Wanted it so bad. But there was no call. Now, y'all listen to me. I want to be very clear what I'm about to say. Very clear. I've preached a message, the cost of compromise. Sometimes the call on one person's life will go to another's. If they refuse and they quit and they procrastinate, that call will leave that person and go to someone else. By the middle of November, he was out. But right after that camp meeting, God began to speak to my heart and said, I'm calling you. I said, oh, no. You can't be called. Not now. Not now. Of all times, not now. Brother David, not now. Everybody knows God's calling him. Surely not. Middle of that month, November 1993. It was evident, Brother John, that my friend had ran away from God. And God had put that call on my life. I had no I had no other choice but to say yes. Scared me to death. So when I talk about the callings of God, I know what you mean. I know your struggles. I know your fears. I know the things that you struggle with. Will I be accepted? Will anyone listen? How can I go? I have no money. All of those things. I have no education. I have no this. I have no that. Listen to me. We're in our Bibles now. I am not. I listen, I know exactly what time it is, but I'm not worrying about it this morning. All right. I, I know y'all wish I'd said something else, but we missed a lot of church the last two weeks, so we're making up for it this morning. Passions. Talked about this calling. Second Peter chapter one verse from ten. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. He said, fall, excuse me. He says your calling and your election. Now there, there are some that would put these together and they would talk about the call to salvation. Very well could be. Talked about this election and, and they would go, uh, uh, in, in, uh, somewhere in left field on this. But I believe that this is salvation. And this is a calling to service. Now, I could be wrong, and I'm not going to argue about it. But this morning, we need to quit fighting over a calling. You say, well, God's not called me to preach, or God's not called me to do this, or God's not called me to be a missionary, God's not called me to... Listen, I'm not arguing about what God has called you to do. What I'm trying to enforce in you today is that when God has called you to do something... You better bless God and do it. Because if you're not careful, God will meet out judgment on you or He will move your calling to someone else. And you may find yourselves 30 years later never stepping foot in church. Did y'all hear what I just said? It's been 30 years. November the 14th will be 30 years. Believe. Once, maybe twice, has he been in church? Funeral? Wedding? Do you want that in your life? There's some that are fighting with the calling. There's some that are not doing anything with the calling. But the Scripture said you better make sure that it is God calling. And make sure you know what He's calling you to do. And then do it. Number three, we need to, if we're going to prepare for the coming of the Lord, there needs to be a penitently, penitent preparing, a, a repentant. If I can get away from the alliteration, there needs to be a repentance in our preparing. Look with me in verse number nine. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned... Behold the judge standeth before the door. I want us to say first of all about this penitent preparing is there's a prejudice. Now I'm working with a young man right now. His language seems to always be towards black and white prejudice. And I'm trying my best to work it out of him. And I'll go ahead. I know we're in South Georgia. I know white folks are the minority, but if prejudice is always on your lips, then Christ is not in your heart the way He ought to be. Somebody help! Me. Do you realize that when inside the Ku Klux Klan there were so many preachers, deacons, and they went to their church and they so-called worship God, and then they hated it throughout the week. Oh, that's not popular down here. I can give a fine flip. If all you ever do is spew hatred, if all you ever do is look in, in prejudice, let, let, let's, let's turn the corner. No one ever measures up to you. No one measures up to you. Well, I, you know, I don't want them here because, uh, because of this, or I don't want this because of that. I, you know, they're different. They're, they're... Listen, I was at church down there in Florida this week, and there was a man, he came in. I had no, I had no, no idea that there was anything wrong with him. He had some, some mental issues, brother, and I had no idea. Preacher knew it, didn't care in the world. He joked and, and joshed with him, but he sat on the front pew, he had on sweatpants, had on a t-shirt, and the t-shirt was tucked in his sweatpants. Well, that's just not cool, but he was doing it, and he was proud of it. and he'd get up in church and he'd look around he'd walk up on the stage where the preacher was at and he'd talk to the preacher he'd walk back down there and he'd get in a seat he got up 27 times go to the restroom he'd come back in he'd look around and he'd sit there and every once in a while and you just wonder what in the world is this cat doing why is she even here won't you put it preacher won't you put him in the back because the preacher had a heart for him and every single one of us ought to too Amen. you got somebody that don't got nothing they come into church dressed any way that they, they can. Bless God, they're in church. Well, I don't want to go with them because they're a hypocrite. I'm glad they're in church. I, I, I said I'm glad they're in church. Nathan, say amen real loud in your deep voice. Come on. You constantly tear everybody else down. James chapter number 3, verse number 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. That tongue, those words, once they're out, they're out. And we can be as Christian as we want to be, and say, "Well, uh, words, sticks, and stones will never hurt me," and whatever they are called. i don't know what they're called—I I left nursery rhymes a long time ago. But words hurt. Somebody help me say, "Amen." Now I got to go back to what I said. There may be a time where you just go ahead and pull up your 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 draws and say, "I don't give two flips in the wind if they hurt me. I'm gonna keep on pressing on." But well, bless God, if we're always making excuses for what everybody else says, somebody needs to get in their place. Amen. Mamas and daddies need to put your children in places. I got a girl back there, and I got a girl right there, and they have been put in their place. Husbands might need to put your wives in your place. I ain't trying to embarrass her. There's been very few times that she and I have ever had an eyeball to eyeball knockdown drag out where we and both of us left crying because both of us ended up being wrong in the end. But I'm glad we got right. You ain't mad, are you, Mr. Nishan? Alright. It might do us good, men. It might do us good to go ahead and stand up. I hate to say this, because I know there's some submissive some wives in here. It might do us good to stand up to our wives and quit letting them rule everything. The language that your wife uses the words that your wife uses, the 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 lies, the hypocrisy, the slicing that your wife's tongue cuts deep into everyone that she speaks to. Husbands, it might do a good job for you to stand up, be a man, and put her where she needs to be. I know that's not popular either. But it's time to quit making excuses for sinful women and sinful men. Amen. myself. We're talking about prejudice. Nobody ever, nobody ever is, nobody, you cannot compare yourself to anyone and you be the meek one. You've got to always got to be better. I can tell you all of the things that I have done in my life and whether it be career or accomplishments. And I guarantee you there's somebody in this church that will tear me down because I'm not like somebody else. I'm not talking to the church down the road. I'm talking to Lighthouse and y'all better hear me. The tongue can no maintain. It is unruly. It is full of deadly poison. Next. Protest. Protesting. Talking about penitently preparing. We are repenting in our preparing. There's this word protesting. He says, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. When things don't go your way, you protest. No one can be happy around you. You see someone else that gets what they've been praying for. You see someone else that gets what they've been longing for. And finally it's there. It's within reach. And you can't stand for them to be happy. So you protest. And you begin to beat them up. You begin to beat them down. How dare you? What a shame that is. I told you the amens would die down. Let's look at this. Pride. 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 You wonder why so many things go wrong in your life. Have you ever sat back and wondered? And we praise God. Woo! He brought me through another storm. That's only by the mercy of God sometimes. Because a lot of times that storm came from your own doing. A lot of times that storm wasn't God trying you, He's trying to kill you, bless God. Because of how wicked you've become. I go a step further. Sometimes, sometimes the condition of our heart may bring judgment from God, but it's not on us, brother Kurt. It's on the ones that we love the most. You wonder why so many things are wrong? What about Psalm 16 verse number 18? Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. You're up there, you're beating your chest, look at me, look how pretty I am, look how good looking I am, look at all the possessions that I've got, look at my children, look at their accomplishments, look at this, look at this, look at this. this. Before long, there's destruction. You've lost everything. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before fall. Let me say this. Everybody knows you. Everybody knows how you are. Everybody makes excuses for how you are. But what are you going to do when you face the righteous judge? And there's no more excuses. Did y'all hear what I just said? Grudge not one against the other, lest you be condemned. He says, Behold, look, pay attention, here, as Brother Dent would say. The judge standeth before the door. The judge is on the other side of the door, and he's fixing to come in, and you acting a fool. What happens when that judge walks in that courtroom? Every time, every time, when that judge walks in, what happens? Everybody stands up. Everybody pays attention. The judge is walking in the room. Now, David, I had to go to court one time just for jury duty. I scared to death. I didn't have anything. I wasn't on trial. I hadn't done anything. But the judge was there. And I sitting there, when he blinked, I blinked. Because I didn't want to miss nothing. When he turned around, I'm like, I'm looking too. I'm like, wait a minute, the judge is here. I'm finna be right. I didn't get on my phone. I wasn't Facebooking. I wasn't doing nothing. They, they was all talking. He said, be quiet. I said, "Hmm." Because the, I didn't, Benny, I didn't want to go to jail. You better know. They said, do you have any objection for being here? I didn't really have any objection, but I had to answer their questions honestly. And I said, well, I'm a pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church. I just to let you know my judgment is going to be based on the Bible. Well, guess what I got to do? I got to go in that little bitty room back there. And the dude, the bad dude was in there and the bad dude's lawyer was in there and this, but the judge was in there. My heart was going, I'm I'm scared to death. I'm like, good God Almighty, I'm finna go into jail right now. (laughs) Thought I was scared to death. He said, Mr. Burt, you you mentioned when we asked such and such question that, that you, you could be objective, but it would come from the Bible. I said, yes, sir. I said, I can't, I, I have my own opinions, but I've got to judge based on God's word. And the and bad dude's right here. Right there. I don't know what he did, but he could have hurt me if he wanted to. He looked like he can whoop me. Probably could have. Benny could probably whoop me if he wanted to. So I was just honest. This was the judge. Well, Bobby, I couldn't hide anything. This was the judge. I laid it out before him. And I said, this is, I'll be happy to serve, but I want you to know. I'm not going to be basing my decision on what everybody else thinks. It's going to be what? The Word of God. And he closes his notebook and he says, thank you, Mr. Burke. That'll be all. You see, we are trying to please one another. And we are pl- trying to please ourselves when we ought to be trying to please God. And our pride of ourselves and our own accomplishments, those are the things that are going to be our detriment. But I want you to know today that the judge, the righteous judge, is just around the corner. And I'll go ahead. Somebody, y'all might have to help me here. We've heard people say it. Well, that's just the way I am. I'm going to cry hogwash on that. Because if you're saved, you're a new creature. Amen. Old thing, shut up talking to me about this just the way you are. If that's, if you're wicked and vile and cantankerous all the time, then you ain't been made a new creature. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Amen. Well, the gym's already paid me, so I'm going to be here tonight whether y'all are or not. You wonder why your friends are pulling away. I'm still preaching. I know it's almost 1230. I'm just as hungry as y'all are. You wonder why your friends have pulled away? What about Psalm 13? Only pride cometh contention but with the well-advised as wisdom. You think you're the only one that prays and has got an in line with God. I want to tell you, you're wrong. Just after content- contention, look in your Bible. Look in your King James Bible. Lest ye be condemned. What, what happened in verse number 9? Grudge not one against another brethren. What happened is contention came by pride. Proverbs 16, 18, but right after contention comes condemnation. Better watch it. Matthew 7, verse number 1 through 5. Judge not that ye be not judged. That's where a lot of people just stop. Don't you judge me. Oh, but there's more, honey. For with what judgment ye judge? Ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. You said, now this is Matthew chapter 7. This is still under the Old Testament. This is still under the law. Yeah, but it's still the Word of God. He said, when thou beholdest the mote in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite! First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy, uh, thy brother's eye. Here's, here's, here's going to help you. Mind your business unless God gives you liberty to speak the truth in love. Better yet, sometimes just best to mind your own business. You say, well, what about Galatians chapter number 6, verse number 1? I'm so glad you asked. Let's just turn over. If you see a brother fallen, let's just see what the Bible says. We've had to use this of late. Brethren, if if a man be overtaken in a fault, y'all just go to him and whoop him, curse him up one side and down the other. Beat him up in the name of Jesus. Tell him you think you know what's right in his... No, it ain't what it says. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Oh, we ain't even got there, Brother Jody. Ye which are spiritual. I'm gonna say it again. I need y'all, we're gonna act like we're in black church. I say spiritual, y'all say spiritual. Ye which are spiritual. spiritual. Restore such a one. What, what? In the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Well, you got a lot of folks in churches. They're going around saying huh, you shouldn't, huh, you shouldn't be doing. Huh, look what, huh. and uh, yeah, you're you're looking up on everybody else's pews and you're looking up under everybody else's rugs. See what they've swept under, honey. It might do you good just to go back to the house and start sweeping yourself. don't y'all amen me if y'all the one need to be saying, oh, me. I'm about half cocked. I'll call you out right now. We better be careful pointing fingers at other folks. You say, or you mean to tell me? Listen, I could call names. Y'all want me? I can call names. Rebuke before all so that others may fear. That's the verse that's been twirling around in my little head. God's called me to be a pastor. Not to break legs. I'll go ahead and tell you, that little illustration about the, the shepherd breaking the leg of the sheep, I don't know that there's much truth in that. I just, I just don't know that there's much truth in that. That shepherd needs to lead. That shepherd may sometimes have to correct, but I don't know if that shepherd will ever get down there and hurt you so bad you'll never be the same. I'm not sure about it. I'm not saying they're wrong or I'm wrong, but I'm trying to help you today. There this morning, I've tried to be as as honest to the Word as I can. I've tried to be as honest to the Lord as I can this morning. And I'm going to say something right here. There should not be an empty space in this altar this morning. Every single one of us. I got I got on my hands and knees in my office this morning before I ever come out here. And I said, God, uncover everything that I need to repent of. Brother Nick, I got here this morning feeling like, yeah, I'm pretty good. But boy, by the time I started unloading on the Lord, I felt like it felt that small. Do you know what he did, Kurt? When I got down there and I just laid it all out, he washed me as white as snow. That don't mean I'm perfect. That don't mean I might not fall here in the next 20 minutes. But I'm glad to report today if there's sin in your heart, you can come down right down here, you can kneel in your pew, you could stand on your head for all I care, and you could ask God to forgive you and He'll do it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse number 4, 14. Now we exhort you brethren, warm them that are unruly, Comfort the feeble minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. That's what I've tried to do today. Tried to support you. Tried to rule. I've tried to warn. I want you to know that the Lord is coming. We can shout because He's coming. We can rejoice because He's coming. But I want to tell you again, if he comes today and some of our hearts are in the conditions that they are currently in, you will be ashamed. You might be here waiting for the first person to come. Why don't you be the first? Maybe you fought with some calling in your life. Why don't you get it settled this morning? Psalm 19, verse number 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. Who's standing at the door? The judge. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, And the honeycomb. Maybe you're not ready to meet the Lord. Maybe if the Lord were to come today, and He's like, I'm just not ready. Brother David testified of the gentleman. He said, I'm not ready. And I don't know what the outcome of that is or what it will become. But I want you to know today, today you can get ready. If you've never asked the Lord to save you, if you've never repented of your sin and asked the Lord to save you, you can do so today. Maybe you've tried to re- rededicate your life and you realize that, you know what? The reason I'm having to rededicate is because there was never anything dedicated. Maybe, maybe the reason I'm struggling so much is because I've never been saved. Maybe the reason I've got so much bitterness and hurt and shame is because God's never made me a new creature. Today can be the day. Is your life pleasing to the Lord? Is everyone around you making excuses for the way that you are? Have you hurt someone? Have you been hurt? If you've been hurt, and I'm sure that's every one of us, can I offer you this one word, forgive. You'd be surprised what your forgiveness to someone that doesn't even think they deserve it will do. Oh, it won't do anything to them. They have no idea. They have absolutely no idea they've hurt you. They're blinded to the, fact, to the fact that they've hurt you. But if you've been hurt, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not trying to self-help. Be the bigger person. No. I'm saying forgive. Let God handle that. I said let God handle that. They've hurt you. You pray for them. You pray for yourself. Ain't no sense in talking to everybody and their mama about it. Pray to God. He is your Heavenly Father. He can handle it. His business. He can handle, y'all help me, his children. If one of his children doing wrong, God can handle it. We pray for revival here for weeks now. We just had camp meeting I, and I praise God for the, the meeting that we had. But you may be wondering why in the world you've not had revival. It may be because you've not confessed some things to God. The reason you've had not, not had revival is because your pride is holding you back. Mamas and daddies, the reason why your home has not had revival is because it's out of order. God ought to be the first, that husband second, that wife next, and then those children. If you get any single one of them out of whack, your house is going to be in turmoil. Some of y'all, some of y'all parents letting your children run your house. Shame on you. Some of you husbands are letting your wives run your family and run you. Shame on you. Some of you wives are letting your children do whatever they want and hope your husband will step in. It might be time for you to step back and say, they are yours. I fall with them. I've done and I've done and I've done. Now you're going to man up and you're going to be a father to these children. Husbands, if any one of those are out of whack, you need to get your heart right with God and say, God, I need you first in my life. Now, I love my wife and I would do anything for her. I would do anything for her. But I'm publicly saying she is not first in my life. God has to be first in my life. But I'll tell you this, I love my two daughters. But if they ever get in the way of me and this woman, somebody's leaving with a limp. Because she ought to be the very next person in my life. This morning, I want you to come. I don't even think we're going to have music today. If you want to come, you come. I'm going to bow and I'm going to pray. These altars are open. And I'm telling you, there should not be an empty place in these altars. I want you to come. Maybe you need to get your family.